Hello everybody and welcome to our next episode of Safeguarding News. I'm Vicky Chafe, I'm Head of Community and Partnership Relations at the Safeguarding Company. Hello, I'm Luke Ramsden, I'm the Deputy Head at St Bendix and I'm Head of the Safeguarding uh, Panel uh, for the Safeguarding Company. Wonderful. And we've done a bit of a special episode for this one, really, because as you may have seen in the news over the holidays, um, there's been a lot of talk around the new measures that are going to be put in place to tackle the child sexual abuse, um, specifically around having mandatory reporting. So it's been in an awful lot of newspapers, hasn't it, Luke? Yes, and it's in particular, it's been very politicised what's been put out there in the news. And so if you have sort of seen it on the TV or in the news, you might have seen, first of all, kind of quite big sort of headlines. In particular, what's worried a few people is, first of all, kind of quite vague comments about, you no, know, we're just going to introduce mandatory reporting without any details. But also, unfortunately, a lot of political point scoring, talking about um, grooming gangs, um, really quite overtly racist comments basically from uh, government leaders saying you know Pakistani men leading grooming gangs are at the heart of um, uh, of sexual abuse in the UK um, which you know as a lot of people have been very quick to point out in the press as well to rebut that to say yes there have been issues with that but it's really important that just because the government is you know potentially trying to point uh, score some points that people don't put their hand off the ball and say actually there's a much broader issue of um, child sexual abuse across the country and it's not at all right to say that there's one particular group in society that's been uh, you know at the heart of all this and all the statistics would say absolutely that it's um, now, it's a much broader problem and indeed a lot of the issues you know, come from within, within the family home of many children. So I think what Vicky and I thought would be good just to talk through some more of the documents that actually lie behind some of these slightly um, overdone headlines and these politicised um, ideas. And so I think, Vicky, you're going to talk a bit about that there's actually a surprisingly restrained formal government report. And um, we've included the link for this um, in this uh, podcast. Yeah, we have. And, and this came out the day after it was put into the news. So this was published on the 3rd of April and it was from the ho Home Office specifically. So if you're wondering, oh, why did I not get anything around my DfE emails? It's because this has come from the Home Office. And as Luke said, it it's the start of a journey and they make it very clear that this is the start of the journey and that it is going to be a long ongoing. And in fact, it says that the, the first step is to introduce the duty is to call for evidence which will be open to professionals, volunteers, parents, victims and survivors and the wider public and it will be the start of the extensive consultation to ensure everyone's views are represented ahead of implementing the new the new duty. So it's saying very clearly that we are at the at the start of this journey and we haven't got to that point where we can start saying that things are, are mandatory. But what they have said is that the immediate support to support the professionals who work with children, they are providing £600,000 to the NSPCC whistleblowing helpline. 
So if a professional has concerns that their organisation isn't reporting or handling child abuse cases appropriately, they can contact the NSPCC whistleblowing helpline for support. Mm -hmm. So even though we're just opening the doors to start collating all this information from everybody, and I do have to say that I think that it's really important that they are asking um, for, for that information from survivors. Yes, I think that, that that's really, really an important measure that they're putting in place, that they have actually put some money into being able to, to have something as we're starting to get the, the ball rolling. As you read through it, it does talk about Sarah's Law and how this impacts and how it's changed things. So just, just have a look around that. And Sarah's Law was um, implemented, let me just double check, um, it was in... 2000 I think it was um, and Sarah's law was implemented um, because of eight-year-old Sarah Payne who was murdered by a previously convicted sex offender. Um, the updated guidance for the child sex offenders disclosure scheme will make it easier for the public to raise concerns online and reduce the time frames for the police to respond to the inquiries as well. So they are saying that there will be it, it's very multifaceted, this um, this guidance that will be put in place. But one of the concerns that Luke and I were talking about was um this will mean that there will be an increase in the report of the concerns, which is the whole point of it. Um, one of the, the concerns that will definitely have to be, be looked at as we're going through the, this process is that of the actual resource that we have in order to handle these concerns. We were saying that actually, actually you know, everybody's at capacity at the moment, whether it's the police or it's social care, having more concerns raised there will have to be a much deeper look into how we respond to these concerns absolutely and that leads us on to another uh, link that we're going to put into this podcast is that um, the government when they talked about this said that they are responding directly to the findings of the ICSA um, inquiry uh, into child sexual abuse and their recommendation that there's mandatory reporting and I would hugely recommend um, anybody in safeguarding to actually have a look at a really well considered and interesting uh, set of ideas and recommendations that they've put out about mandatory reporting um, and actually that again in the same way as the uh, formal government report moves a step away from a sort of politicised, overdone, sort of uh, knee-jerk reaction kind of idea to one which is, we need to think carefully about this. Um, I think it's a really good thing to, to have a look at and will hopefully be a very good basis for the government to, to have its uh, inquiry about mandatory reporting. A few of the key points just to draw out for you is that, first of all, and England is a bit of an outlier in not having, or indeed England, uh, Wales, Scotland, the, the other countries, um, are, bit, are outliers in not having mandatory reporting, which I think is something which is interesting for us to think about from the outset. It, it's not an unusual thing to have a mandatory reporting idea. The other thing as well is that talking to uh, about Vicky's point about uh, the growth in the number of reports, it puts some useful um, quantification onto that. So, for instance, in the Australian state of Victoria, uh, in the decade after they started mandatory reporting, there was a sixfold increase in the number of reports. So I think it really is vital 
that if we're going to do this, um, the government has to say, well, we need to have a sixfold increase in the way in which we respond to these uh, concerns. Um, the other key thing that I think it does is allay a lot of concerns that people might have if they're safeguarding leads about, well, what's going to happen here? If I make a mistake, am I going to go to prison? If I make an honest sort of error in something, is this going to be a personal, professional disaster for me? And I think reading through, again, I won't go into all the details, but reading through the ICSA report, it's very clear that it's not seeking to criminalise and put pressure on professionals. Indeed, it's something that they're trying to support professionals with. Uh, a particular paragraph to, to draw out is one where it says, well, look, unless a professional has directly seen um, a, a particular, you know, an example of, uh, of child sexual abuse, um, it would not be a criminal concern. So they might be saying you know, a, re a requirement to report even if there are just you know, concerns, but I said it's only if you'd, you know, directly witness sexual abuse and then decided not to tell anybody that this would potentially be a criminal concern. And I think those ideas where it's sort of saying, well, some things there might be a fine for the school if they got it wrong, or it might be that there was a note on the record all the way up to if you are clearly and blatantly ignoring sexual abuse, that there would be a legal, uh, a criminal uh, response to that. And indeed, one of the things that a lot of people are saying is, well, hang on a minute, isn't that the case already? And so, and actually looking into those details, actually KCSIE um, is very vague when you actually look at the details of the legal requirements for safeguarding leads. So while I, I suspect most schools in the country probably do, when they suspect there's child sexual abuse, do already contact um, an, an external agency at social services. So a lot of this will just be clarifying what you're already doing. And so, again, I would have a look. I mean, if you're interested, uh, in particular, if in, in safeguarding yourselves, have a look at the ICSA section on the mandatory reporting, because, again, it helps to clarify, helps to reassure. And again, it's a step further away from the overblown politicised turn of comments that were made a week ago. But I think those two things, the government report and ICSA, both can provide a really helpful framework so that schools can not only perhaps contribute to the, um, uh, the, 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 the consultation that the government is going to be doing, but also probably preempt. I mean, a lot of what we're going to be finding here, I think, is clarifying good practice and that schools that are doing things the right way and tend to pick up the phone and do can talk a lot with their laddo and do have good relationships with social services, will probably find that it's just reinforcing their already good practice. So in that sense, I hope that's something that reassures a lot of people as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we really encourage everybody who, who feels able to, to join in that consultation to join in that consultation mm. because as Luke said as educators we're the ones that are probably the closest to to these these dreadful situations other than social workers and things like that and actually our voices and our opinions are, are really really important so if you can please make sure that you are part of that and um, as always we'll put all of the links in our show notes and please join in the conversation in the community. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what it is that you have, have thought about this mandatory um, reporting. 
um, and tell us what your thoughts are on the the, the government document. Absolutely. And that is it from us. Thank you very much for, for joining us. I've been Vicky Chafe. And Lee Gramston. Wonderful. And we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye.